Good evening and welcome to a, I don't know, a good edition of the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast because we're about ready to flip the calendar to a new year, Rob, uh, yes. from the JMU athletic standpoint. And the sooner we can put behind everything that was ever associated with the latter half of 2020, 2020 2021, yes. the, the better. I mean, really. So this is a happy, I, I, I'm not going to change the uh, the season until next week. I think we're going to have a guest here some point in the next couple of weeks and really get deep into football. Um, but we are talking football tonight. And thank you to everyone who has hung in there with us through. Rob, I got to say, I found a new podcast this this summer, like in the last month or so, that has four or five seasons, pre-pandemic, pandemic. It's it's actually about, it's like a mountain biking thing, but it, it's all about kind of Leadville and leading up to that race and everything. But it was sad. Like I really enjoyed going back and listening to some of the old, old pre-pandemic episodes, but then they were in the same boat as us, like just total, like, I don't know, like, just he was grasping. At yeah, was just like, free, like like floating in space last year. Yeah. yeah, like nothing to say and like really like progressively more depressing, like as I tried to listen to a few, you know. Like, yeah, man, I hear that. I, I had a rough weekend with all this stuff. I mean, I had to go out and buy new masks and I was like, oh, jeez, oh, aren't we done? Like it just, I, know. I, I felt like I was so happy a month ago and now I'm kind of like, I know, I know. Somebody posted, actually it was Amanda Shires, posted a poem by a friend of hers that someone had written about like how we all, it was, it was about someone writing from the perspective of how we all felt the day we got our shots. And it was like thinking ahead, like, oh, here we go. I'm yes, going to Italy right. or whatever. Yep. You know, like, and now being like, fuck. It's exasperating. We got to talk about something else. I yeah, get, let's I get off. This. All right. We're I talking, need distractions. Yeah, Rob said he's like, let's do a regular fun episode. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Yep. Um, as always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek. Go see the guys in Harrisonburg. Uh, pick up all your stuff. Mention the podcast. You'll get a free sticker. We, we're going to have more and more with Mossy Creek as the time goes along. Uh, one cool thing this week, Rob, I did see Colby is on some like famous Orvis podcasts. This week? Yeah, Jim Reservoir. Yeah. They've been on before. Yeah. It's, so, it's a good one. And I um, also just love, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Brian is like the, the you know, the cheerleader of the store. But 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 if you just want to talk about fishing, <laughs> like, like Brian loves to fish more than anything. But I, I just mean Colby, like, he comes alive with the fishing. So, yeah, it's awesome to see those guys, uh, see him doing somebody else's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's Tom Rosenbauer. It's a guy. He's really good. It, yep. It's a, it's a cool podcast. If you're kind of interested in fishing or just new to fishing, cause they do an extended reader Q and a or listener Q and a to begin with. Then they always have a guest. And oh, the cool. guests are usually really interesting. Uh, yeah. Just in perspectives. And it's cool. Mm-hmm. I've listened to past episodes. Uh, no. with him on it and no. it's it's neat so I'll definitely I, I saw that that popped up in my feed the nice. other day I meant to download it and put that one on for a bike ride or something nice um and and no no uh cans popping tonight because I I finally have a, a bottle of proud and true here the yeah. brothers craft brewing um hell's lager yes uh duke's duke duke's lager here so I guess I guess we'll see um but yeah giant in oakton uh for anybody around here up in Northern That's pretty cool. I need to seek that out and give it a try. I'm just glad they have it. I'm, I, I, I've been seeing that Hokies beer from um, Hardywood. Hardywood and just been like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad this exists. Yeah. And, and they clearly worked with JMU because they have the official Duke Club crown thing. I'm surprised it. it's taken so long. I thought somebody would have done this like from a contract brewing perspective years ago. It's just, it's easy money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then, uh, um, sorry, uh, uh, get a little extra appearance there. Yeah, the soundproof uh, studio. Yeah. So by the time, yeah, by the time most people listen to this, there will be 26 days until kickoff at Bridgeforth. Um, I, we sincerely, sincerely hope there are 26 days until kickoff at Bridgeforth. Uh, really excited about that. You know, we're going to talk football tonight. I, I, the only other thing I had to mention tonight, Rob, was I, I had two small things. One, the it looks like the. USSA Pride, however many S's there. The Pride season is coming to an end now. Um, so they're kind of summer run. Uh, and we'll see, I think we'll see at least Odyssey in the Athletes Unlimited season, which is coming up in the fall. Uh, it's been cool to see Haley Warden from lacrosse 
as one of the players in the Athletes Unlimited lacrosse season this month. Uh, so she got the captain on the teams. Yeah, she uh, did. A week ago, week and a half ago. She got to yes. captain the purple team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. And for people that aren't familiar with it, it's a little bit different. I think it's a pretty interesting business model. Too. Approach to it. Yeah. They basically choose up new teams every weekend and you can follow certain players and then players get awarded points. And as you get a certain number of points, then you can be elevated like a captain. Yeah. Um, so Haley got to do that. It was, it's pretty neat. I think it's a cool idea. And it's particularly for, I don't want to say niche sports, but niche sports, you know, yeah. like emerging sports, softball across. We're big fans, but they're still on the rise. They're not at the level of a, you know, basketball, football, basketball, soccer, you know, soccer, right. hockey. They're there. So it's, you need to do something to stand out. Um, yeah. We saw it with, with men's lacrosse, with the Premier League and kind yeah. of the, the barnstorming model, and then they merged back. So it's mm-hmm. it's going to take something different uh, in terms of an approach. But I think this one's interesting. I think it's cool. I think it's tailor-made for somebody like Odyssey, who really oh. just kind of captured the, yeah. the nation in terms of the excitement she built amongst softball fans and then just sports fans in general. Yeah. I think she really could could have a lot of fun with this and draw a lot of eyeballs to it. I saw a breaking tea Odyssey Alexander shirt in the wild the other day. And I got really? and I and I actually got like creepily excited to the guy wearing it. Yeah. It was a guy like our age. And so I was yeah. like really like, oh he's gonna be totally into this. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, go Dukes and <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a little much for the, the food line at the time, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, it was cool. Uh, and then the one other thing, I just a positive. There's been some skepticism, but I was glad to see uh, the Washington football team today. Rob um, put out their first. You know, it's a with it, all the grains of salt, but they put out their first depth chart of the preseason, and Jimmy was on the two deep. Uh, there, there've been some questions. You know, they that team has brought in a significant number of defensive backs in the off season, you know, of various levels of expectation. And some people were worried about Jimmy's status, but he he looks like he's going to be playing, you know, whether it's for Washington or someone else, he's going to be playing a lot again this year. So. Well, didn't he, didn't he, uh, yeah, he um, rated out really well. He now. rated out. He graded out pretty well, like in terms of yeah. in slot and passive defense. Like he was very good. That's what it goes but it was to almost like, it's, he's ranked almost like a middle reliever would be ranked versus a uh, starting pitcher. Right. Like he's got a unique skill set where you can get guys in the slot. He can cover kind of the, the secondary receivers or types of things. But there's value in that. And Heck I yeah. would think with the new approach, and Todd, you know, I don't really, I, I go to great lengths to avoid the Washington football <laughs> team. Yeah, I know. But it does seem like they do have a, a different approach with the front office and might be a little more. Uh, amenable to things like analytics than they were in the past. Yes, yes, it does seem that so way. So I'm sure they're paying attention. So it doesn't, no. I'm happy for, for Jimmy. Um, although my ideal situation would be to see him, you know, in the starting lineup of any other franchise. Right, right, right. Let's see well, the guys. It was cool. I mean, it was cool. The picture today, there was a, uh, the Cowboys and the Rams had a, you know, combined practice. And there was a picture of Danucci, Rondell Carter, and John Daca all together you know it's those pictures are amazing from preseason last year we had some with ish hyman and the washington guys uh i think it was, was i'd forgotten about daca being yeah when that popped up i was like wait when i first saw it i was like wait is daca with the cowboys and then i saw it was the joint practice yeah yeah that's neat. and i'm really hopeful for some of those guys i mean i you know with all the craziness of what happened with danucci last year um you know just all those guys that were rookies last year what a terrible year to be a rookie Especially a rookie from, you know, kind of an undrafted or FCS school. like Trying had, to play your way out. Yeah, like just – and just not being able to have a ch- – I mean, I saw even Danucci had a little – you know, there was a little clip about him talking about – last year he got like two snaps per practice with like 11-on-11 11 11 drills until the game that he had to start, you know? And then like at least this year he's like, I'm getting 10 snaps a day and it feels amazing, you know, like or something. Like, well, I mean, that really – the whole narrative with – you know, it was yeah. fun to see people get excited about Gucci Danucci, that, but then people to really come down on him and like it was such a terrible performance. The deck was absolutely stacked against him or any other rookie in that situation. Not yes. having preseason games, mm-hmm. not having you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure they were limited in what they could do. Even this oh, might, this they were keeping baseless them speculation, but even like organized team activities or yeah. like the whole notion of having the QBs and receivers. The unofficial camps they have just as position oh, groups, yeah, all that stuff. It was it was a really really series of 
tough breaks around a good break. And they were like separating the quarterbacks within the quarterbacks yeah. room last year. Like, I, you know, this year only the Vikings are doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But the other teams presumably is, is he going to get a Pope mobile? What's, what's his point? I don't know. Maybe him and Lamar can have their own two Pope mobiles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. So, we're trying to stay off that. Stop it, Todd. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing we were really excited about today, and the, the first thing we really want to focus on, um, Greg Medea reported today for the Daily News Record. I'm sure there'll be a there is a story up on the website. I'm sure they'll it'll be in the paper tomorrow. Um, that both the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns had scouts at practice for the first time in two years today at JMU in the Berg. Um and that was kind of exciting. You know, obviously for him, it was unusual because even, you know, whether you're a reporter or a scout, you didn't have access to practice last year, not just for JMU, really for anywhere. For what I mean, I don't, yeah. For, I mean, even the FBS teams that played in the fall, I think a lot of them had very limited access for that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, very exciting. And Rob and I wanted to talk about, you know, who were they scouting? Like, you know, you get two teams in, like, obviously they're, they're making a barnstorming trip. They're covering a bunch of teams here, right? I'm sure they're visiting Tech and UVA and North Carolina and whoever else on this swing. Um, but we were kind of thinking ahead and I've had trouble, Rob, just up until last year, we always were really good at like grabbing the two deep at the end of the season and then thinking ahead to the next season and knowing the roster this year, I like it really, you know, I, I know we, we feel like, I know they played in the spring, but it just feels the spring like it's was been... a blur to me. And yeah. It, it, I, yeah. I really lost the sheet of music in terms of who was a fifth year last year. Who's coming back. I mean, for the sixth year, did people like to move on? Weren't there guys we thought were going to move on and not even play last spring who ended up playing and now they're coming back. Like, yep. it's just a mess. Um, I oh, cheated yeah. and read the article. So I know who it was, oh, but good. it's, it's all the names you'd think it would be well this is what so, i'm interested so who's the first person that you thought of when you heard this uh green green mike green yeah, right mike green. that, that was probably that was one a then fornado was one b for me yep. and i wondered about other offensive linemen like I, I, you know i don't know but yeah fornado was the other one that jumped to mind obviously they want to get a look at is he moving percy. Well? yeah percy was another one yeah i mean I, and i just we should start with mike green um Last year in the spring, he played defensive tackle for us for a number of productive years. Then last year, after the injuries to Ukwu and the other Green, they decided to move Mike Green to more to play a lot of defensive end last spring, which was weird because, um, you know, Mike Green would laugh at this. I can tell from his own post, but his body was a defensive tackle body in the spring while he was playing defensive end and man I, he worked his I, I don't know what he did this summer Rob since the end of the spring season but Looks, I, I know like the other guys are making fun of him because he does you know spelt is a word that probably doesn't go hand in hand with Mike Green but he looks darn good right now yeah right yeah I mean he looks fit uh he's been you know talking up his own abs right um yeah, now he looks like a defensive end, and of course he's going to play a lot of defensive tackle. But no, he just looks like yeah. a monster right now. Um, really yeah, he looks, excited. He looks pretty shredded. Um, yeah, like he put the work in this summer. I, I hope I hope we see that from other guys. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm. like, but then the thing that I was kind of most curious about was Fernando and how he stands. And clearly, like you said, it's his movement. How is he going to come back from this injury? He was a guy that. We thought if they would have played in the fall last year, he'd probably be in a camp right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it just you know got a bad break, bad break with the injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious. But he was the guy that stood out to me probably two years ago in terms of the guys in the senior class who was going to be most likely to get a look. Yeah. The name that wasn't on there that I thought might be what? somebody who you know, is Radke. Yeah, I, I he was on. I wrote him down today. Um, what, what we need to see from Racky, it's weird, right, for a guy who now is the all-time leading kicker in the CAA history and maybe the all-time FCS leader by the time this season is said and done. I, I don't know where he stands. But, uh, you know, when he was young, and you think about the Weber State kick, I mean, obviously that stands out, right? But he 
was a long field goal kicker, right? It felt like he was a long yardage guy. And over time and through a series of kind of injuries and nursing and everything else, he's always been extremely accurate. But last year I felt like he'd almost gotten to the point where they weren't really going to line him up for anything outside of 43, 44 yards. So I'm sure that from a scout standpoint, he's a guy that – because accuracy to me is more difficult than – I don't know. I mean, some guys – Yeah, I mean, leg is – I know there are guys in the NFL kicking 60 yarders now, but if you don't make them, (laughs) like you're just not going to last in the pros. There's also guys that kick 60 yarders, but they can't hit extra points consistently find themselves out of a job. Yeah, so I I, I don't know. To me, yeah – He's an interesting one. He's one that I wrote down. Um, but another one, one more. The yeah, one that we a couple others. About. Yeah, there's two others that I wrote. Down. Oh, three others. We you brought yeah. up Percy, and I do yeah. think Percy is a really interesting case. Um, I think Percy has a chance to. Percy has a chance to have a all-time FCS season, and his numbers may not, you know, cumulative numbers may not reflect that. But I'm really fascinated with, like, I think we both in our minds can envision Percy having like a 230-yard day in a top 10 matchup this year, right? Like in, not not necessarily like, Percy's not going to get 30 carries against Moorhead State week one. He's going to get 12. <laughs> you know, it, like, it wouldn't shock me to see him get 190 yards and three touchdowns against a Delaware or, or a Villanova or something. Well, yeah, yeah, like it wouldn't in a game that really matters or get to the playoffs. But we were saying, yeah. Suddenly they're riding Percy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's an so interesting. The, I think those three, Green, Fornado, Percy, were the three in the article. But well, beyond the other that, one that. The other one that Medea mentioned, though. Yeah. You got, you got to think a little lower in terms of the classes and Wells Jr. That was, I, I wrote it yeah. down. I wondered because I'm like, they're going to come and now they're, they got to be aware. They, they, I mean, they, the scouts are nerds. They're like us times a hundred, right? Yeah. They watched all of the spring FCS on Flow or Pluto yes. or whatever nonsense they had to watch it on. Yeah. Um, and yes, Antoine Wells Jr. is, um, and, and they'll be following him whether he, you know, let's hope he plays in his entire career at, in Harrisonburg. But you know, yeah, he'll be on the radar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny. Like that one, honestly, kind of shocked me because I didn't know if that was just us as JMU fans getting a little bit too over our, too far out over our skis. Mm-hmm. But he really has, I mean, he's got like Stapleton type size, but Pope type speed. Yeah. <laughs> you look at like, those are the guys we were worried about replacing. And, um, and Stapleton, we all were very excited about, but Stapleton was very unique. Riley, we're talking about here, was yeah. very unique in the episode. He did a lot. He was terrific with his body in uh-huh. terms of boxing people out. That obviously wasn't as attractive to scouts because he isn't going to have that size advantage over NFL guys, and, right. and he wasn't as fast. Wells Jr. really has the look of somebody that, that could be one of these guys that, you know, Cooper Cup or somebody, you know, come out of the FCS and it's like, well, this guy somehow slipped and ended up down at an FCS level when he really had the talent to play an FBS. And just, I feel like I'm now sliding my other no. team here, saying like, oh, he slipped to a program of Jamie Stafford. No. But facts are facts. You know, yeah. guys with extreme talent and hands like that, and the ability to run routes and speed usually don't end up in the FCS. And no. JMU has a dream scenario here with yeah. a guy who just comes out. He's got to be playing with a ton of confidence after what he did in spring. Mm-hmm. Well, I just and hope he keeps that. He comes back to the ball, too. Like, he, he does. runs he does. his route to the end. And, yes. Like, and that really – like, he's not waiting and just trying to box people out. Like, he's running it – you know, he's not running the route – Knowing that, like, oh, I'm in the FCS, so I can box this guy out. He's yeah. running it the way he's supposed to run it. Yeah. And I hope he keeps that up. And yeah, I mean, even for JMU comps, I mean, for the, our our old heads, right? I mean, think about a Macy Brooks or a Jay Jones. I mean, some guys who got their own chances at the next level uh, once upon a time for JMU, and and you did wonder. I mean, right? Part Macy of the Macy Brooks physical. thing was. Was right. Well, part was of the reason he physical. ended up at JMU was because they let him play baseball and football. Yeah. You know, they let him play both. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he would have got the chance elsewhere. So, yeah, Antoine Wells Jr. was the one that I – it was certainly one of the underclassmen that I wondered about. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a couple other guys that I'm sure are trying their best to show off. Rob, two more that I was wondering about. Um, just 
So do you think this, I, I know this is almost like, it's almost crazy to say, but can you envision a scenario where Cole gets a shot? No, I, I can't. You can't, can't. right? No, I, I, really, I, mean, I can't. You can't, but I'm just, his numbers this year could be, if JMU, the FCS stats perform, whatever it's called, poll came out today, JMU ranked number two preseason, everyone very high on the Dukes. Uh, we're all, we're going to be very high on the Dukes. I, you know, we're going to pick them to have a gaudy record and go deep in the playoffs, I'm sure, in a few weeks. Uh, you know, to me, I, I don't know. The quarterback on the best team in the nation is always going to have, right? they're going to win awards, do a lot of things, you know. Uh, and, and that's going to be a weird topic this year for JMU because someone like Percy or Mike Green or Antoine Wells Jr. I mean, all of those guys are going to, for JMU fans, you're going to say to yourself, like, they should be the CAA player of the year or they should be JMU's MVP if they don't win the conference, right? And yet the like conference at large, we're going to end the season if Cole stays healthy with him having thrown for 3,500 yards, 40 touchdowns and 10 interceptions or something, right? I, I don't know. I just think though that, I mean, I, I, I would love for you Tall. to be sitting back here saying, I told you so. I'm no, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's crazy to say. I, just, I don't think it'll happen. Um, no. I think with the FCS, usually when you see guys that get on the radar, it's because they're freaks physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, Danucci being the exception. You know, well, that's why I wondered. That's exactly Danucci what I wondered. Danucci led the team. Now, you know, Danucci had a little bit of, um, you know, the, they don't want, NFL people don't want to admit it, but because he started his career at Pitt, he was always on the radar. He right? was always As, a, a FBS talent. It's different. Uh, Cole, yeah. Cole's, uh, I, Look, I'd, I'd, nobody would be happier than me if he – well, Cole obviously would be happier than <laughs> me. But, um, I'd be pretty darn happy if it worked out where this guy became an NFL quarterback. I don't see it happening. Um, I hope I'm wrong. But I just – I think he could put up the numbers mm-hmm. that you mentioned. I think he also could be very much more of the game manager thing. And Jamie could be just as successful. Like he might mm-hmm. just sit on his role and be the guy who, you know, goes 13 mm-hmm. for 17 – Mm-hmm. and two touchdowns, you know, that's fine. He doesn't have that kind of NFL arm. Danucci doesn't have a cannon either, but I, we saw a very shaky Cole Johnson for much of last year, and then yeah. a guy seemed to put it together mm-hmm. for, what, the last four games. Mm-hmm. If that was the start of something, and it's just trending up, and this guy is just not And for a guy who's getting a rare opportunity to play yes. competitive games and for a six-year. Yeah, and has right. full grasp of all his abilities. Yeah, okay. I mean, because we don't know. I mean, it, even with last year, he's still not quite a blank slate, mm-hmm. but it's still it, – it's yet to be written. We don't oh, I know. agree. And Brian and I had a, a long conversation. You know, we've, we've had many conversations about this uh, in this offseason, this summer. And, yeah, I mean – I. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just too purple colored glasses and optimistic, but I, I just wonder, right? I, you said Cole has an arm. He's big and tall. And if JMU is as good as we hope they are, he's going to put up gaudy numbers this year. And yeah, but I mean, I, I go back to my example. I'm with I was, you. I, 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 I hear Russell. it. I'm not Marcus predicting Russell's he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins next year. I'm just saying like, you know, I don't know. He's an interesting NFL case. coaches and talent evaluators fall in love with measurables when it comes to quarterbacks. But that's the problem is that Cole measurables is going to look damn good. He's really tall and he throws the ball far. <laughs> like, yeah, but but he's not. He doesn't have that quick release. He doesn't have that no, you're right. absolute yep. cannon where he's going to. It's not even about the deep ball. Right. It's about the outs. Mm-hmm. Can you hit the 15 yard out? You know, and that is the biggest question for him. And that was the yeah. biggest growth for Danucci from the first year he started at JMU to the second year was he was consistent in hitting. Yes. Like if you're going to run a wide receiver screen, you have to hit that pass in precise uh, the way that the receiver needs to catch it. Right. Yeah. It doesn't work if you don't do that. The best thing Brian Shore ever did was just he never missed the easy throws. You know, and you I have to be 90 percent on the easy throws, you know. Yeah. And the throws that look easy, I think, are often the hardest. Like, yeah, yeah. Todd, sure. you know, like as a receiver, just even around like the 10-yard oh, down. Yeah, the worst. That's a very difficult throw. Everybody falls in love with the deep ball. Like, oh, can I go throw the deep ball? It's those ones like, can you throw to the opposite hash? 
yeah. the seven yard out, the eight yard out, and position it so only the guy can catch it. And do you Those hit the receiver out. turning to his inside hand so that he doesn't get killed and, and he can maybe back. make a move after the catch? Like, yeah, you know, there, there is a precision here that needs to be ironed out. I'm just yeah. – and yeah. Those are the throws that are sexy on like the all 22 for talent evaluators mm-hmm. that most fans completely overlook and they mm-hmm. get them more excited about the, Oh my gosh, he threw it 55 yards in the air mm-hmm. and dropped it. There's more guys that can do that. Throw the mm-hmm. deep ball than guys that consistently can throw those precision routes mm-hmm. at an NFL like Sunday level. Yeah. So, and then the other, there's just, I think, um, you know, if the defense is what we hope the defense can become this year, there will be a couple other guys who they'll be on the radar by the end of the season if they stay healthy and play well, right? I don't want to go down, you know, we don't need to dive into this too deeply, but, you know, I think both linebackers, Azanama and Tucker Dorsey are going to have, you know, if they stay healthy, they're going to have unbelievable numbers and unbelievable seasons, and they're going to make some plays that pop on film. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a few of the DBs who have been around and, and some of them have played at FBS programs, you know, still have their dreams alive. And then the last one, Rob, I, I really like to see our punter run the ball some. I was reminded with rugby sevens in the Olympics last week. I, and I really want, I, sorry, this was my most, this is my most uh, frustrating thing going into this season that I hope we can solve was the promise of Harry O'Kelly, Australian rules uh, football player the from his fr- freshman player. year yeah. yeah, to what we've seen under Signetti has been like the most disappointing thing ever. And I just want to see our, you know, Aussie rules player uh, run the ball with an option at some yeah. point this year. Yeah, well, I mean, like, not to, not to pick at old scabs, but if we do recall one thing from the spring, it was Jamie fans. Oh, it's a us, the specials were not, very special last year. Uh, well, so. I'm hopeful. I mean, between the transfers they brought in and the guys who didn't play in the spring at all because of injury, I'm also really hoping that, you know, the just baseline talent on special teams might be bumped up a little bit this fall from where it was in the spring. You know, I, there were a lot of guys needed on the starting defense that were not expected to be needed on the starting defense when the spring commenced because of injury and transfer and all kinds of, you know, COVID and everything else. And then those guys weren't available on specials. And then that sort of filters down to where you end up with some hey, walk-ons or preferred walk-ons on specials. And uh, yeah. Hey, how does it, like, they've got some sort of exemption for these, the COVID extra year. Does yeah. that let them have an expanded roster? Or could that impact specials? Like, I know you, like, Fernando, does Fernando count against the typical scholarship? Yeah, does Cole count against Does Cole that? count? Right, Sam Kidd. I I don't know. I actually they should call this the Seminoff rule, whatever it is. Like, it <laughs> well, or the Odyssey Kate Gordon rule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, because in theory, that could be an opportunity to really help. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I've seen. I've actually seen some of the FBS. I've seen Dabo and a few of the coaches like whining about this, but I didn't think it was for this year. I thought it was them getting their classes prepped for. 2023 and beyond yeah they've just been complaining because they're now it's all out of whack and you know yeah um yeah i don't know i just uh harry's the other one that i wrote down i I know that's just a personal thing but yeah so green fornado and percy i think are the probably those were the headliners with antoine wells jr underclassmen um from Medea's story i think we both wondered about radke and then I'm just being out of control talking about Cole. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's, yeah. I mean. Right. It's very tough. I, well, and a guy like Keelan Black, too. I mean, in the same way that Antoine Wells, right? I mean, if you get your opportunity this year, yeah, there are some guys that really flashed in the spring who most, like, there is no casual football fan at any level who is aware of Keelan Black aside from the JMU faithful. And like two teams that he eviscerated last year, you know, but what we saw could be something, you know, so yeah. Well, there. that's the thing. I, I'm pretty excited when you look at the caliber of recruiting, uh, mm-hmm. Signetti's track record over his career. Oh. I'm open to the idea that there are guys on the roster currently that you and I probably aren't even aware of who might be in the mix two years from now. Who, who might, I mean, the idea that, 
that he's got a guy at Wells coming in after a freshman year, coming in as a sophomore, and he's already on the radar. That's pretty darn impressive. That's yeah. what, when was the last time we had a sophomore getting scouted by NFL scouts? Well, actually, you know, what's weird is that Fornadel is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, on the right. current right. team, and yet it's just so got, been kind of all over the place since then um, because of the injury and COVID. But, yeah, I mean, he was one that, like, as an underclassman, when they were coming to watch some other guys, you're like, oh, and what about They're this? Gonna, <laughs> yeah, like. Stay after practice, watch that one. Yeah. yeah. So now it's a fun topic. And, and I do think, I mean, I, I think there are three or four, I'm sure there are five or six other guys on this team who have not, are not, you know, have not in any way given up. And with the, I'm kind sure of, Wayne like, Davis. That's what I was going to say. You know, Wayne Davis, this. Greg Ross. I mean, yeah. there are some guys in the defensive backfield. I'm sure there are some guys on the offensive line. Um, and, and, you know, like we said, even in the running back room, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, and we'll, and we'll certainly be following Jawan uh, from afar this yeah. year as well. So, you know, yeah, good luck to all of them. It was cool to see the Raiders and the Browns out of practice today. That's always fun. It made it feel very real. It also made it made it feel very non-COVID. Yeah. You know, like well, spring practices were like totally – like it was like it, North it wasn't Korea or something. Yeah, like no one was there, and there was nothing yeah. like – yeah, it wasn't oh, open to the media. And to have Medea at practice reporting on the Raiders and Browns scouts was like, oh, here yeah. we go. Season's coming. All right. Yeah. It was yeah. real football. We actually sat down tonight and looked at our calendar, too, and, like, sort of mapped out the fall a little bit, Rob. And that, mm-hmm. that also got me very excited. So, <laughs> yeah. So our other topic tonight we wanted to visit was just kind of looking ahead to this 21-22 JMU sports year. And at least for the moment, as we did at this time in uh, February of last year, we're going to look ahead, you know, with optimistic eyes about what's to come. And I, I just want to kind of ask you, like, is there one or two, three things that you're most looking forward to this year? I know you were kind of thinking about this in terms of football. I was thinking about it in terms of like the all sports year, but whatever way you want to go with this, Rob. Well, if we're going to go all sports for yeah. me, uh-huh. it's both, both basketball programs. Yes, that, that, for, that, uh, to me, that's uh, as much as we love football on this podcast and as much as we've been excited about softball, to me, it's actually getting a chance to see both basketball programs play in the new arena in front of crowds with a lot of momentum coming out. You know, we've got Kiki Jefferson and a, a, a program that is on the rise. Last year, a lot of fans were disappointed. They didn't make it. And, yeah, I, I share in that disappointment, but I will go to the mat <laughs> defending the fact Yes, last year was a rebuilding year. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, I know Coach O, I wouldn't even ask him to admit that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want the players to admit it, but fans were, well, they were picked first. They were picked first with basically losing everybody. What Like, they had Kiki coming back in terms of people who actually played. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they did admirably, but this is this is a year it's big, and we're in the bag for Coach O. We yeah, will yeah. say that up front. He's a friend. Probably He's more than any coach straight. we've ever covered. We've ever been yeah. around. Like, um, but I, I do think this is a very big year for him. He's got a lot of talent returning. You know, obviously they lost somebody to transfers, but Kiki is all CAA player of the year type potential. Mm-hmm. Um, the recruits that he had last year's freshmen were outstanding, exceeded mm-hmm. everyone's expectations. It is going to be a, a potentially one of the really, really good JMU teams, but they got to get over the hump. They've got mm-hmm. awful, awful luck CAA tournament the past couple of years. Um, Super excited to see that. Super excited to see how the pep band and everything plays into that, and the home court advantage that the women's program has had for years in the combo, how that translates. Cannot wait. And then just to see how Byington follows up the sophomore thing. Are we going to have a sophomore slump? Or are we just going to say, nope, this is the beginning of the next? Like, he seems to be saying some very – he's measuring his words, but he's getting me very excited about this freshman class he brought in. I think Morse is going to be terrific. I'm super, super excited about Strickland and a couple of the other guys who got a lot of minutes last year. I will miss Matt Lewis, who played, well, actually, last I checked, you know, unfortunately had not gotten in the game for the, the Timberwolves. That's tonight? Yeah, it was tonight. Okay, so uh, I, I, think I looked they, on Thursday, they're on ESPNU. The Timberwolves game yeah. is on ESPNU, so yeah. But I got. I, Call me crazy, but I think things are about to take off 
for Jamie men's basketball. Rob, that was the number one thing I wrote yeah. down. I, I I didn't even I, I you know no no shots to Coach O, our, our buddy, yeah. and, and women's basketball, who has been sustained this this endeavor of ours for many years on downtimes. But um, men's basketball was the number one thing for me in the 21-22 JMU year. I, I'm I'm fascinated and thrilled and excited in a way that I have never been. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever been this excited since we graduated from college, Rob. Like, no, because there's always like you were some together shooter drop. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, in this year where we've seen Coach O, and we've seen it with Nikki down the road at Radford, like it's just you know this whole transfer game is like for like ninety percent of college basketball is like in a scramble this year. And everything feels like up in the air from missing the COVID year or having the weird COVID year to this. And and then now the free transfers and everyone's all over the place. And the one program at JMU that has had none of that, nothing but positivity and optimism and like we're moving forward is the men's yeah. basketball program, which is just insane because that is never the case. And they're really good. Like they should be really good. And I just, I, I have never, yeah, like you said, with the new arena, everything about it. I mean, with the women's program being you know, look, the women's program is going to be good. Uh, you know, barring catastrophe, they're going to be a contender in the CAA. Yeah, you're in we are area. concerned that they may not be able to sustain the level of excellence. Like, we are interested to see if they can sustain the level that this program has established over the years. But they're going to be good. But that yeah. all of that, just the men's, I, I can't even, even above football, I have never, in the whole time yeah. we've been doing this, Rob, since 2009, I've never come into a year. I mean, I've come into a year excited about men's basketball. Every time we hired a new coach, obviously the year they went to the tournament and everything, Every you know, like we get a new recruiter. Yeah, or something. But this yeah. is different. This feels like we saw it last year. We saw them be good and be deep and care. And they're, they seem like they're just as good, you know. And we also did you see the beginning of a culture that seems to make sense? Big time. When you, yeah. get, when you get freshmen that are just kind of like, they don't seem content with being contributors, no. but they seem excited to be contributors. And there's a difference. Like content would be like, oh, I got my 10 minutes. I've reached the peak. That's fine. They seem like they're going to go out there. They're going to compete. They're going to push each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm super, super excited. I feel like no. everything is lining up where we're finally going to see, Jamie, you have the success in what used to be the flagship sport. Yeah, they've had, you know, since we're successful, they've had in pretty much every other program. Well, and the um, culture building is what you said. It, it, it it's just such it, every coach everywhere who gets a new job at a new school talks about building the culture, changing the culture, and it's all a bunch of BS. You know, yeah. in the presidential terminology, it's a bunch of malarkey, right? But it, it it just but we've seen it at JMU. We've seen it in lacrosse. We've seen it in women's basketball. We've seen it in swimming and diving the last couple of years on the women's side. We've seen it in women's tennis. Like it's possible to buy into like what the overall JMU sort of forward momentum is and football. We've seen it right up through three or four coaching regimes. We've seen it continue mm-hmm. on this trajectory, but we've never seen it in men's basketball. And it's, yeah, it's so exciting to see them. Like this could be a real thing. No, I mean, you just look at the guys that contribute, like Jalen Hodge and Terrell Strickland and yeah. Terrence Edwards. Morris, I think, was a huge pickup last year. Yep. He exceeded even my expectations coming out of Mount St. Mary's, um, where he had a lot of news like freshman yeah. of the year there. Um, Devin Sabbath, is it yeah. Devin or Devon? Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I know, I know. Whatever. Like, yep. we're hearing very good things about him. Mm-hmm. You've got another guy, Andrew McConnell, another freshman. Mm-hmm. It's just. Amadi. I mean, geez, I didn't even mention Well, him. I was going to say, right, give me Amadi and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me Amadi and Strickland this year and we'll, let's, let's play. <laughs> and let's roll. Um, yeah. I really think, I, I think Morris has the potential to be all CAA first team. Sure. And I think a couple of the other guys certainly are in the mix. And Morris is a veteran team. while, yes. like now he's legitimately, you know, he's played real minutes as a real leader for two programs over multiple years. And he gets to play with, Amadi and Strickland, like these young athletes who can do a ton of stuff. Yeah, yes. I'm just, I, I'm really thrilled to see what this program, that's, they're definitely for me. I mean, women's lacrosse was the other one I put on this list just because I think that the the recruiting from the national championship. Start to pay dividends. It yeah. should pay, you know, yeah. it's it's a big, 
And and women's basketball is actually one, Rob, for me, I put, so our other question we wanted to ask is what are we most concerned about this year? And they they could be on either list for me. <laughs> like I, I, I want to see them. I think that, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt. And I, I, you know, and Kiki's still the best player in the league. And, I, you know, until somebody says otherwise or shows otherwise. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I can I, get very defensive about that. I, I, think, I know. I know. And, uh, yeah. I love Kenny Brooks. I think what he did was great. I think he's been mythologized to the point where it's set unrealistic expectations for Coach O. And I think Coach O took a very different approach mm-hmm. to building a team. And I think it ultimately will be more sustainable in the long run. Mm-hmm. I think he's not building the team around one superstar. That right. was great for Kenny and it worked out. But right. I kind of like it. I like the idea of having multiple multiple players and building a whole team approach. That being said, Kiki's every bit the potential star, or Shardy's a star you know, mm-hmm. as a sophomore. But as an upperclassman, we could see some special, special things from her. Yeah. I think it's all going to work out fine. I, I think we're going to see them break through, finally get to the tournament um, this year. And then I think they've got the potential to win a game or two and, and go oh, from yeah. there. So, yeah. and, and the recruiting is not slowing down. Um, there's no. a constant recruiting, you know, you, you're going to lose people. And I think the women's game is interesting where you mentioned how Jamie men's basketball is the one program that was not affected by that. The women were, you right. know, lost well, the men people. were, they lost a couple guys, but they weren't in the top five. Right. They, I know exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Out, right. right. You know? um, and we don't know if that, that could have been the case for the women too. Yeah. You know? So I, I'm not concerned. I, I'm more defensive about women's basketball than I'm concerned. Okay. Yeah. No. And then, I, look, I, I men's base baseball has not earned the right to even be a concern. I, I don't. I, they have to show something before I even. They're kind of the new basketball. Yeah, they're they're just a disaster, and they have to prove something on the field before we even really discuss them. I mean, my but other concern was, but it's not I, a softball. Lack of no, softball is my one. Like, I just desperately want them to be. I, I don't expect them to go back to the college world series. I don't expect them to win a super regional or even a regional. I don't even necessarily expect them to win the CAA. I just, I just desperately want them to be a contender and have a season that rewards the fans, like that builds, you know, I know me personally, like I'm going to, I mean, not to make this about us because it isn't, but I am one of those people who spends a good bit of time down there and I'm going to go out of my way to go see softball in a way I never have next spring. And I hope that they can at least like, I'm going to go back every year regardless, but I hope for the new fans they brought into the fold that they at least give them something to cheer about, you know? Yeah. That's that's And it's a tough thing when they lose so much talent and I'm really excited. They re-signed coach Laporte to uh what she got like a eight year extension, I think. And I'm really glad because that, but, but that at least gives her the chance to like weather a year or two. Like if there is a down year or two to be had somewhere along the way, I'm, I'm glad that they're giving her the, a runway to, you know, reset again. But, and, and like you said, I don't think they're going to have a massively down year in the CAA, <laughs> but, but no, I but just hope they can be an exciting product that builds with the yeah. fans that they, you know, gained this past year. That's all. I'm worried about the downside of bandwagons where bandwagons yeah. are great when you bring plenty of new eyes to a team or a sport or, or a program. They're very bad when those people don't know what the heck they're talking about. And they're vocally upset over things that are just the normal course of sports. I'm not predicting bad things for Jamie Softball, but I am kind of cringing already at the people who've watched a grand total of however many innings were on ESPN last year and are right. self-proclaimed experts and are going to freak out if JMU drops one game in CAA. Like, right. And, and we see that, I mean, even men's basketball, you saw that people hadn't paid attention for years Oh, we're back in the mix all of a sudden. Back in the mix, and then all of a sudden they're like breaking down X and O's like they're freaking Hubie Brown or something. Like, right. It just that stuff can can get very bad. We saw it with lacrosse, maybe Mm -hmm. not to the degree that I'm anticipating seeing it with softball. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just that's going to be tough if you have people being very vocally disappointed with what is just the normal course of events for a college softball program. Right. Well, the one thing I keep that, that that gives me a ton of hope, for better or worse, is um, you know, assuming they have Alyssa Humphrey back, 
they're going to have her back in the circle this year. And I was trying to look at what her record was last year, but people don't realize like it's pretty favorable to Odyssey's when Odyssey was an underclass. Actually, her yeah, her pitching statistics in the regular season last year were fourteen and zero in twenty two appearances, uh, with fifteen starts, eleven complete games, seven of those were shutouts. Like, yeah, that, like yeah, I I know she's a little bit different pitcher than Odyssey in terms of like maybe not being you know all power, but yeah, I I. Uh, that gives me a lot of hope that like the offense will come around and that it doesn't. They, and she won all those games in the CAA in the middle of the season when Odyssey yeah. was out. Right. Like, so in conference, it, she'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of the flip side of my biggest pet peeve with college sports is people assuming fans of every team assume that just because they bring back, everybody gets better every year. It's like, right. Oh no. Well, last year we were young. This year, like that drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Get it. But it's the, the flip side of that is everybody's acting like she has peaked. Like, oh my gosh, she's not where Odyssey's. Well, yeah, she's not where Odyssey was. <laughs> right. You know, 22 games in her. Yeah, do you remember where either. Odyssey was in the Megan Good yeah. year? Like, it wasn't yeah, like so we're this. not saying, yeah. like, people can get better. I'm not saying she's guaranteed to go become a player of the year type candidate or right. put her name up there with Jalen Ford and Megan Good and Odyssey Alexander. Yeah, it's a high but bar. It's also yeah. safe to assume that she will evolve as a player could get worse, but also very likely could get better and could potentially get a lot better. And really like, I don't, I don't, there, there are no betting markets on this, but she's probably like, she's probably the leading candidate for the best player in the CAA next year or the best pitcher in the conference next year. Yeah. Already. Like, like, even if she's a, even if she's a half step down from Odyssey, it's the CAA. It's like, two you know, over <laughs> right. Like we're yeah. playing Northeastern here. Come on. Like, you know, yeah. So no, that, you're right. That's a good point. So no major concerns. I mean, obviously we'd like to see baseball do something, anything, just get your, I don't know, do something. Just we'll, we'll get to that in the spring. In the meantime, let's enjoy football. And <laughs> this men's basketball excitement is, yes. that is the other thing, Rob, is we are, we have never like what have we been doing? We've been doing this show since 2016. We've never had a year where we even had to consider like gearing down or breaking into the football season to to talk never about. Well, no, yeah. never like we talk to Coach O every year preseason, but that's like uh because we're excited about women's basketball, but and the expectations. But we've never like had anyone like this year. We could very well be. It's possible. That JMU could be going to Frisco, and most of the JMU fan base, from an alumni standpoint, like over thirty alumni standpoint, a lot of them could be focused on basketball. Basketball, already, right? Yeah. Like, which would be totally unheard of. So, and, and a lot of fun. I mean, there could be we could take the trip to Frisco and have people down there have a big topic of conversation be basketball, potentially even watching a game like while we're there. You know, like at a hotel or a bar or something like, you know, joining everyone getting together to watch a men's basketball game, which would be, I don't know, just really exciting. So, I mean, for a lot of alums, you got ODU, George Mason and UVA all before Christmas. That's, yeah. So that we get a, a bandwagon potential right there. Yeah. That's, that's real opportunity. And, and just, yeah. we're, you know, fingers crossed by the time basketball season comes, hopefully, you know, the worst of all of this nonsense is behind us and we can really have a basketball season. Yeah. Um, Cause I'd really like to go to the, the bank or whatever, the, whatever we're going to call this thing. Yeah. But as long as we're not going to call it the combo. So <laughs> yeah, that's it, Rob. I don't have much else. I just, uh, you got any overtime tonight? I think we were going to say like, you know, we talked a little Olympics last week. I don't know if there was anything else that stuck out for you. Um, from- I, I, really probably watched maybe an hour and a half total since we last talked. Yeah. You didn't watch uh, much track. I did like the, the guy sharing the gold medal in the high jump. Yeah. We, but that was before last yeah. week. We talked about that. Oh, yeah, We week. talked about that. Yeah. Um, like it's just, it was a weird schedule. I, I really like the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to the winter, even though I will need to kind of hold my nose and rationalize a lot of the situation with China. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't need to get into that, but yeah. I will get excited for the athletes and I'll sure I will fall soccer to it like I always do. I had a very tough time after the swimming is over, just keeping track of when things were and not having them spoiled. Yeah. So it was tough for me. Like I, I tried to watch a lot of the track. I was very excited about it, but it was like I would wake up, I would be checking to see when I could watch stuff during the day. 
and I kept having the Today Show on in the background, and it's like they're telling you all that, like, yeah, the Today Show was sabotaging its network's own coverage. It was actually and, like the worst of both worlds because they yeah. did it both ways, right? They were telling you the results, but they weren't showing them live. Like, yeah. just don't have the Today Show, just, just show it live. Just show. And we'll yeah. all watch it at seven thirty in the morning if you put it on. <laughs> and I was able to do that. I felt like the first week with a lot of even preliminary swimming yep. events and everything like that. The second week, the way the events stack up, I guess it's just a different style. You know, when you're talking basketball or volleyball and things like that, it just all got spoiled. And like not being able to find basketball on television, needing to go to Peacock or stream it, it became more trouble than it was worth, unfortunately. And it just kind of ruined the entire experience for well, me. The one thing I will say from the second week, um, big shout out to golf. We watched a ton of Olympic golf. And part of the fun of this was that it was on every night, both weeks. So it, part of it is that it was, there were so many good things about Olympic golf. And I, I just, I do have to say this. The men's tournament was the first week of the Olympics. The women's tournament was the second week on the same course, which was super fun because you never see that. And I don't know if you saw, but like, um, First of all, I mean, it was obviously exciting because Xander Shoffley and Nellie Korda, two Americans, won both of those events, um, both like highly decorated player or highly ranked players that had not won a ton of things in their career. So very exciting to see them both win. Um, but also it was really fun to see uh, Rory Sabatini, a guy from Slovakia, broke the course record to come back and win the silver medal in the men's tournament on the last day, he, he shot a 61. And then the very next week, Nelly Corda had a chance to shoot a 59. She went to the 18th hole needing a birdie for 59 and actually double bogeyed after she'd shot 13 under through 11 holes to get there um, on the last hole. But like, it was really fun to see the women play the exact same course as the men. I mean, obviously I different tee boxes, that. That is really neat. different tees, but from a course record, like a club standpoint, that was really fun. And, and then like all week to watch the women, you had a very good sense of like, oh, I know this shot. I saw Roy McIlroy screw it up last week and hit it in the crowd, you know, or whatever. Like it was, that was really fun. I, I just, and it was also with the time difference, that event was on every night live. So, you're watching, it was so we were watching morning. it live. In fact, yeah, we tried yeah. to stay up for the final round of the women's, which is Saturday evening. And they, unfortunately, like the leaders, all of the leaders were, were like the four leaders were within a stroke of each other coming down the stretch and they had a rain delay at like 11 o'clock on Saturday night. And we had to go to bed okay. like it was yeah. on the 17th team, but we did wake up Sunday and watch. So anyways, Olympic golf was fun. It used to seem like a stupid event. I think when Olympic golf started, what, four Olympics ago, a lot of the best players didn't go and everyone thought it would be stupid. They seem, it seems to be growing. Yeah. Bit. The last, you know, the last Olympics, Justin Rose won the gold medal and Matt Kuchar came from way back with a great round on Sunday to win the bronze and kind of got everyone excited. And this time, and then, you know, admittedly too, with the women, like it can be hard, like their events. I don't know. It just, it's been hard for us to buy in because they don't get the hype on TV that all the men's events do. It was fun to watch them in the Olympics with like the same course, the same difficulty and, like an the same, and the same exposure and everything. And you're like, yeah. wow, that's really freaking good. She shot a 62 yeah. today. Like, yeah. So um, anyways, yeah, I didn't even realize that. we'll see that's what really happens cool. next time. It is weird that the Olympics, winter Olympics are coming in six months. Um, I don't know well, who we'll see. I guess we'll see the guy from the oiled chest guy again. <laughs> He's always there. Having yeah. his year. Yeah. Um, so, and then Rob, you, last thing you want to say, a, a beer of the year for you. I don't know if you had a beer oh, of the geez, summer. Beer of the year, beer of the summer. Let me, did let me, did you have anything? I did actually. I had a really good beer. It's always fun when you travel, when you can get yes. different things yeah, you, that are like. I have not traveled much, so yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I did a road trip. It's not like I was going to freaking like. You went out of state. I haven't been out, out of state. Virginia, except to the district in quite some time. Yeah. Okay, but I was up in New England, and yeah. you can get a lot of good beers there. You need to go out of your way to find yes. bad beer. Yes. Um, and actually, I had one. I think it's from, I think it's from New York, mm -hmm. but it was available up there. Um, I had a double dry hop Mylar bags from Other Half Brewing. Have you ever had Other Half Brewing? No. I, oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, and actually, Drake yeah. has given me some. We went to yeah, their they, house this summer. From he had Brooklyn. Some, yeah, yeah. They distribute north of there. I, I can't find it around here. Mm -hmm. It was really good. I mean, I'm not going to. 
go on to tasting notes or anything, but mm-hmm. it was an enjoyable beer. And then the other thing I get every summer when I'm over Rhode Island, because it's easy to get pine up there, is Lawson's Sip of Sunshine. Oh, yeah. I love, that? Yeah. love it's Lawson's. Just, I just yeah. love it, and I love the fact that you can get it kind of on the regular up there. You don't even need to hunt it out. So oh. those are mine, too. What about you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, in addition to the Proud and True. Yes, in addition to the Proud and True, which is great. Or the, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll just do it this way. I, I did get to finally have a I'd rather beer fishing from Three Notched, uh, the nice. Mossy Creek collaboration last weekend. So, and legitimately really enjoyed it. it it's yeah. a standard like, and actually, you know, Brian and Colby talked about it's it is you know it's for it's not a high alcohol high hop no. like it's a daytime it's a lawn mowing fishing yeah. beer. Yeah, um, has a sticker you can peel off and like put where. Yeah, it's. It's I a like cool concept, notch. and yeah, I'm doing a good job. I, I, I hope that Three Notch, I know they're going to have be back at the stadium this year. Uh, we got the invite for the Friday night flights uh, coming. I forget what game that is, but – oh, it's ho- night before homecoming. Yeah, so we're hopefully going to have an alternative event to Friday yeah. night flights or at least a post-Friday <laughs> night flights event. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but really fun thing, and, you know – yeah, I hope three notches. I would love to see them like rotate. They've only had that like 40, 40 mile IPA or whatever it's called. Um, you know, would love to see three notch have different selections down there. So that's a really fun one. And if you if you're in the valley or central Virginia, you know, look for that. I'd rather beer fishing for your hopefully now we're down to like only having to mow the lawn once every 10 days or so now. So yeah. We'll yeah. It's definitely it's slowed down a bit. For and sure. for the cicada people, Rob, have you had those? Oak yes. Rice? Oh yes. my God. They're the worst terrible. thing of all time. They're terrible. They're horrible. Like it ruined my weekend. Like, my parents had their house fumigated. They thought they had bed bugs. Yeah, they we had- it was just those mites. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awful. awful. I have like yeah. 12 of them all over me. Yeah. yeah. The whole family has them. They, they itch really bad. Oh, and, and you can't tell when they're on you. Like, you know, they're so well, they smelling. look like a pimple or something. They swell yeah. up. Like, you know, yeah. I kept thinking, it's like, what's wrong with too. me? Like, yeah. yeah. No, they're uh, terrible. I got a bunch yeah. of them, and they itch way worse than mosquito bites. Yeah. So, um, so that's it for us. Uh, we are so excited. We're going to have a guest or two in the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking football. We're going to be talking with depth charts, Rob, uh, looking ahead. I have no idea. I, again, I, I'm so frustrated with myself today. Every year we do this and we come to the beginning of August and I'm excited because I kind of know what, like not just JMU, but I know about the CAA. I know about FCS. I don't know anything. I don't know anything this year. <laughs> like I don't, it's I can't through me name, I, no. I'm not sure I can name a single player on another CAA team right now. And I, a lot of them deserve to be named, right? I mean, I'm not saying they're not good. Like I'm not, like, I Jamie, think, Jamie was ranked number two today. Yeah. I don't know. Who was number one? Was it Sam Houston? It was Sam Houston. Okay. Yeah, so it was I mean, Sam That's Houston. what I guess, but I wasn't – like in most years, I know Jamie's too. I'm like, okay, it's North Dakota State. I knew no. it wasn't North Dakota State. Yeah, no, it was Sam. But I didn't know if it was going to be Sam. Or, or uh, South Dakota State. South Dakota State was me. NDSU and Weber, I think, were the top five. Um, it's so weird this year because like Montana and Montana State were both ranked, but like nobody has seen them in forever. Um, you know, in the CAA, Towson was not ranked, but I have no idea. Delaware was ranked in the top 10. So Delaware and Villanova were the other ranked, I think the other ranked schools, but it's a little weird because the CAA people all chose Richmond ahead of Villanova. So I don't know where the Richmond hype came from because we saw them in the spring and they're just Richmond. Like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was glad to see that Rhode Island was, um, rather, like I felt like they've kind of earned their way the last two seasons to being a little more respected in the CAA preseason stuff. So was glad to see them a little higher in the, at least in the middle of the pack, um, you know, in contention. Uh, but I have no idea. Like New Hampshire, I normally, I think we both were excited to see coach the coach back a little bit, um, you know, so we'll see. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to someone right? Medea or Chase or Sam or someone who has like hopefully more insight than we do into yeah, what the season smart. holds. Cause I don't know how to less dumb. Pick, pick the record or anything else. Yeah. I know that we're really good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll hopefully. see. Hopefully. Yeah. We're, we're just dumb fans like everybody else this year. So we'll hopefully see. We're really good and really healthy. That's yes. Let's do it. This year. Oh, well, good to see you, Rob. Uh, nice talking to you too. You too. And I'll talk to you next week and, and uh, we'll, we'll start getting into it. We'll be, uh, We'll be less than three weeks from the season next week. So it's going to be a pretty good time. 
A real countdown. A real <laughs> countdown starts next week. Have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes. Crazy.